Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherm in the Booth. My name is Sherm. You guys are some true Chicagoans for coming out in January. It's snowing outside, it's freezing, and you're at the f***ing club at 1 a.m. Boys with the bass, yeah, boys, boys, bass. Who am I talking to right now? You're famous. <laughs> free food, free drinks, music. Girls, let's go. Do you like it? Cool. If you don't, goodbye. <laughs> I'm missing the most important part. Boys in the face, yes. We should throw like a crazy like bar mitzvah party. This, this is crazy. Send me stems. I finished it. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? How is everyone doing? Just wait, you know it kicks in like three to five seconds afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, yo, what's up everyone and welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm, and today is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022, and this is episode 208. Words cannot express how excited I am to share this episode with you all today. Episode 208 features one of my favorite DJ producers and Chicago legend, Anthony Atala. I've been a fan of Anthony since I first got into house music, and I'm truly honored to have him on the show. Now, this interview was a little different. We flipped the script and said, hey, we're just going to talk man to man, DJ to DJ, human to human. Anthony is a really interesting and genuine guy, and I'm so glad we got to do this in person. We had so many great pieces of conversation in episode 208, and one of my favorites was talking about Anthony's relationship with the outdoors. It's incredibly special, and he's a Midwest boy at heart. He's always made time to be with himself and close friends outdoors. We shared stories of backpacking, hiking, and how special being in the wilderness really is. Anthony is an avid outdoorsman and actually has done most of his outdoor experiences alone. You are truly one with yourself when you do. Of course, we got deep on the music industry. Now, this man is truly a totem in house music. He released his first song in 2008 and has since released hundreds of incredible originals, remixes, and collabs over the years. His label, Incorrect, has become an institution through events and releases from artists like Ghetto Blaster, Tim Baresco, Max Styler, Ofaya, and so many more. We got deep on the realities of the music industry and what it takes to be successful as an artist. You always need to be hustling. I also loved our conversation on the state of the music industry. Like I said, this man released his first track in 2008 and actually dropped his job to pursue a career in music. Now remember, this was way before it was cool to be a DJ. He truly saw the future and gave his insights on the past, present, and future of the business. Anthony has cultivated and grown so many relationships over the years, and he's truly an amazing example of what's required to make it on your own. Now, Anthony's a humble guy, but I have to say, he is truly an inspiration to me and so many others in the biz. His dedication to his label incorrect, his nonstop effort to grow his own brand, and his level of commitment to staying level-headed is beyond admirable. I got mad love and respect for you, Anthony. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on, my man. And without further ado, let's get into it right now so you guys can hear his full story for yourselves. This is episode 208 with Anthony Atala. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to Sherman the Booth. I'm here with the motherfucking man, Anthony Atala. Give me a cheers, brother. Cheers, brother. Thanks for the wine. Absolutely. Got- I did my best. He made some recommendations, and I I <laughs> had never heard of it before, but I did my best, and it's not bad. You tried. I tried. I think it's all about that. We're drinking it. We're drinking it. We're going to drink the bottle for sure. 
Easily. Easily. I can kill I like how your mic I like how your mic is more straight than mine. Should I not fuck with it? No fucking. Is your mic tipping? I have a tipping I have a tipping mic. No worries. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it's the angle. It's the angle. As long as it sounds great. Well, you know, I got a wedding I'm paying for, so maybe after that I can do a little microphone upgrade. I mean, I think it's fine. I just think it needs adjusted, but I don't want to touch anything. You can touch it. Nah, I don't want to touch it. Okay. okay. Let's you, keep you look good. You look good anyway. Really? Uh, well, I think so. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give him your secret, bro. No, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, no secrets. Let's tell him. He knew that this is my good side. I knew it. I saw his stuff positioned on the chair, and I'm like, "Oh, you want me to sit here, huh?" Yeah, no, that, no, that's no, your, no. Because that's your good side. Yeah, I even had the iPad here, bro. <laughs> Like, obviously, I'm sitting it. here. I knew it. I knew it. I saw it. I respect that. That's what happens, though, when you keep when you take good care of yourself. You know which is your good side, right? I guess. I guess. I don't know. I know your good side. I know your good side. <laughs> my good side, right? We just met. And he already knows my good side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was eyeing me up out on the balcony. He's I was like, eyeing him up. Yeah. Like some Larry David. Yeah. You know, like, curb your enthusiasm. Side. Good. Pretty good side. That is the epitome of reality comedy. I love it. It's the, it's the best. It's the best. There's, I'll tell you this. That show is the... So I've seen a lot of great series. You know, Peaky Blinders, yeah. um, uh, Game of Thrones, I guess, if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, love, yeah, I love Game of Thrones too. But that show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. is the only show that I scream at the television. <laughs> the the absolute ludicrous bullshit that he does mm -hmm. and the situation that he gets into, I will yell and it's like half laughing, half mm. screaming at the television, like yeah. angrily happy. Yeah. It's weird. He's, he's my dad. He's, he's, he's my a dad. genius. Like, Your dad must be a genius. He Well, it's such like a, a weird thing. Like, you know how really smart people are really fucking smart at what they do? But everything else is a little bit. Like, I do know that. Off. I do know that. My my stepmother's brother is a ge a literal genius. Yeah. Like from an IQ standpoint, yeah. like summa cum laude from Princeton. <laughs> oh shit! Like next level. Like is operating <laughs> on some alien shit. But right. But also very quirky and goofy and yeah. weird right. and like might have you know I was showing him <laughs> over Easter. I was showing him the, the weed gummies that I have because yeah. I like them so much. And sure. he was having the hardest time writing them down. I'm like, just take a picture of it. He's like, no, I have to write it. I was like, just take a picture of the fucking package. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I have to write it. It was misspelling and everything. Yeah, and I'm right? like, bro, drink decaf. Calm yeah. down. You're good. <laughs> He's like, I, he literally goes, I don't want to take a picture because it's going to use too much memory on my phone. I'm like, wow. Yeah. But on the next, he'll talk about, you know, physics and... Yeah space-time continuums and the crazy stuff that you can't even wrap your head around that right. are, is, is like breathing them. Yeah. So anyway. God. That's like Larry David's comedy though. Like, I agree. He, he, as long as he lives, he can continue that show. I feel like that for him, humans are a big red button and he knows exactly <laughs> how, what, where to push. That's so fucking He accurate. knows where to push. Yeah. So I love it because, because I, I, Back to what I was saying is yeah. that there's no other show that would get that kind of reaction out no. of me. Where I want to throw something at the television, but I'm also I like, I'm up. also like genius. Yes. But fuck you at the same time. Oh, yeah. God. It gets me going. The last season was the best season, too. Um, I haven't watched any recent seasons, so I need to, I need to catch up, but you got to let me know. Okay, for sure. I've got a few it. episodes for you. I'm, I'm with it. Thank okay. you. Excellent. Thank you. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. Oh, we do. And 
while you are, you know, a, a huge icon here in Chicago, the impact you've made on many levels, incorrect, your individual brand, you, you are, man. man, you deserve that. Appreciate that. There's a lot of other things and a lot of other layers to you that I actually want to get into. Yeah. Yeah. You're very interesting. Very interesting guy. Very passionate guy. <laughs> And I mean, we're here drinking wine, right? Like we are. you love the outdoors. You love traveling, obviously. I mean, there's so much to know about you. <laughs> there's so much to know, know about you. I know, I keep it all closed. You're more than me, the eye. That's, yeah. that's what I want to say. Like a, like a, like a transformer. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I just say that? I love it. Hey, listen, I shouldn't even have brought up the transformer thing. That was his, it's an original. Yeah. He never heard it before. More than meets the eye. Yeah. Transformers, <laughs> robots in disguise. Anyway. Fuck it. Oh, God. This is going to be a good one. So, ask me. Give me the layers to you, man. I mean, like, you love wine, you love traveling, you love food. Like, how important is is it for you to have a life outside of music? Oh, well, I mean, I just think that that's natural. Honestly, without trying to sound uh, scripted or too cheesy, uh, it, it I really goes back to my parents honestly yeah. like i have really really great parents they're incredibly interesting individuals both very eccentric to hyper alphas i've asked them multiple times like did you guys like actually <laughs> pair up and decide to have a child because <laughs> they're like very very intense people but yeah. but also really um really beautiful beautiful souls yeah um very layered themselves and really bestowed a lot of um, different attributes, uh, different thought processes, methodologies upon me, you know, growing up. Are you an only child? Uh, no, I actually have four brothers and sisters. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's three sisters and one brother. And they're all, they're very, they're a lot older than me. Um, uh, they're 11, eight, seven, and six years older than me. And then they were like, well, we're taking a break. We got four kids. And six and a half years later, like, shit, we're pregnant. Wow. So, uh, but my parents are really, really interesting people. I learned so much from them, not just from their positive attributes, from their negative attributes. They're just very dynamic, polarizing individuals yeah. with, uh, that are, I'm super, super close with yeah. and challenged the living shit out of me growing up. And so, and not just to, not just with education or athletics or, um, literature or music or it was everything mm -hmm. they were it was no matter what the topic was they wanted to, me to continuously try to grow and I really took that proverbial baton with me for the rest of my life and yeah. you know kind of it was a very very infectious as a child it was a little bit <laughs> it was a little bit authoritative and cumbersome you know because you're like shit I just want to be a kid and I was I definitely was a kid I, you know but they things that they did to push me to being a kid in a certain way mm -hmm. have have predicated themselves into my adult life for example there was no tv or, or video games while the sun was out that was the rule so you had to be outside yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. outside all the time and back then it was just like you know i grew up in a the, next to the only national park in ohio because i grew up in cleveland so that was my okay. playground so that was just constantly outside constantly traveling you know they they weren't afraid to hand a glass of wine to me as a kid at our at our uh at our holiday dinners and try it you know try it. you want to taste what beer tastes like try it you want to taste like wine tastes like try it you want to taste what food this food tastes like with that drink it was always this kind of natural um experiment and yeah. exploration and i think by the time they had me they're like we've tried everything else with every other kid yeah, with this sure. one we're just gonna let them do everything <laughs> and that's really what they told me so wow. so a lot of that came from from them you know um, my love for the outdoors my love for wine my love for food my love for music uh, a lot of it is just, you know, me being a 
a byproduct of, of, of how my parents raised me. But yeah, but a lot of it, you know, I had to find myself too. you know, I had to explore and find myself too. I didn't know that I was musically inclined until I kind of like tripped and fell into it. It was just really? like it naturally kind of happened for wow. me. Um, yeah, I was in the corporate world doing really well there. And I was always into the rave culture as my like alter ego, you know, I'd be a suit during the day. And on the weekends, I'd be like taking people to raves, be like, listen to this music, listen to that music, oh, and always yeah. passing out CDs at the time to mm -hmm. my friends and throwing pills in their mouth and handing <laughs> them a joint and be like, doesn't this music sound great? <laughs> Fucked up. Oh, you know? yeah. Isn't this great? And so like it was a natural exploration for myself. And then as a hobby, when I had the financial wherewithal to be able to afford two turntables and a... And a, and a mixer learned how to play on vinyl as my release from my corporate job. Okay. And one thing led to another and just started getting booked all over until uh, I started playing so much that my parents were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, shit, here's the proverbial, what are you doing with your life question? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. instead, they actually, for as well as I knew them and as dynamic um, as they are, they told me, you need to quit your job. And at this time, I was the number one salesperson in the whole country for a Fortune 30 company. I was really kicking ass. My God, I was dude. really, really like young and accomplished. And they told me to quit my job, follow my dreams, you know, your education, your work experience will always be there for you. Take yeah. a chance on yourself. Wow. And they're the ones that really pushed me into it. And it was, I'm glad that my ignorance was my bliss. It was, uh, mm -hmm. I just was like, well, I'm just going to be one of the biggest DJs in the world. And that's just going to be that. Yeah. And that's going to be that. But, you know, you don't realize how, you know, arduous the road is and, lost everything, learned how to live a Spartan life, learned how to live without finances. And yeah. really kind of, I appreciate I there's a lot of artists out there that have this instantaneous success and more power to them. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, it could have saved me a lot of, a lot of stressful nights, you know, having that instant, uh, you know, instantaneous success. But for me, it was a slow burn. It was, for me, it was something that happened over a long period of time. And yeah. I, for me personally, not for anyone else, I'm thankful for that journey. I'm thankful for that because you define yourselves, you know, if life is a metaphorical roller coaster, mm -hmm. it's easy to be great at anything, a great husband, a great wife, son, daughter, brother, sister, business partner. When you're in those peaks, you find, you define yourself in those proverbial valleys. Like, yeah. and you know, when I had first started to have my first levels of failure, you know, because this industry is 99% no, you know, your music sucks. No, we don't want to book you. You know, lots of no's, no's, no's. And yeah. you want to run from that failure. And as my, as my, as the pendulum shift of my maturation as an adult, as I crossed that threshold, I started to realize that failure is a byproduct of success. And uh, I started to hug failure and whisper in its ear, like, thank you. I'm going to show you, motherfucker, yeah, yeah, and yeah, use yeah. it as motivation. And, yeah. you know, brought me to where I am today. So... Um, I know you asked about the layers and the things outside the music industry, but they're all interconnected. You know, my yeah. relationship with my family, first and foremost, my relationship with music and my relationship with nature yeah. are a, uh, you know, they're the trifecta, you know, they're that one cannot exist without the other. Yeah. So. It's not just like, Hey, I'm Anthony Atal and I'm the DJ and the producer. It's like, I'm Anthony Atal and I'm all of these things. For sure. It's like what you said to me when people say, wow, you have the coolest job and you're like, you're just seeing the reward. Exactly. Everyone, I hear that. I don't know. Sometimes you hear it in a in an adulating way. Sometimes you hear it in a spiteful way. Yeah. There's there's all different types of vocal inflection with how I hear this message. But the constant common denominator of the message is you've got the best job. Yeah. I hear it in every way, shape, and form. And my retort is 
unequivocally and cons- and and, cons- and consistently yeah. this is not my job this is my reward what yeah. you see is my reward yeah. even all the stuff posted on social media you know um is even the hikes those that's my reward even the gigs that's yeah. my reward the yeah. successes um what people don't see is the is the the grind you know yeah the grind there there is a a, a, a absolute feverish uh almost obsessive grind that you have to be dedicated to, to be successful. Trading your nine to five for the 24 seven, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I tell people all the time. It's, uh, um, nine to fives are, everyone's got to, I'm not trying to walk in anyone else's shoes, but nine to fives are, they're very structured. They're very secure. You know what you got, you know what you're going to make, you know how to budget. Anytime I, I talk to one of my salaried friends, um, I'll say, imagine walking into your job tomorrow and you're killing it. And your boss says, hey, come into my office. We need to talk. And you sit down. He's like, I just want to commend you and how well you're doing. Top top of the company. You're doing great. You know, you're making us money. You're making money. But from now on, you're going to be on a consistent two-month review. Every two, three months, we're going to review your position here at this company and decide whether you should be employed here or not. That's what it's like being in the music industry because even the most successful artists, sure, you have your Carl Cox and your Marco Carollas and whomever that might be booked a year out. But for the most of us, the... In the even even in the successful tier, we're booked a matter of months out, yeah, two right. three months out. Right. And even though I might be booked right now through the summer, my agents and I, you bet your ass. Sorry, Ryan. I know I annoy the shit out of you, but <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I really love you. But we are working now on the fall. Yeah. And once the fall's packed, we're working on nine months ahead, and you're constantly working yeah. in order to give yourself that level of security where you can take a week off and go hiking and, right. and be able to actually breathe and be a normal human being because it's not just production. It's not just performance. Yeah. It's politics. It's persistence. You're you betting know? on yourself. You're betting on yourself. And it's, and it, and I, in a weird way, it's awesome because you're continuously on your toes. Yeah. You know, your brain is like any other muscle in your body and you constantly have to exercise it the way you would exercise any other, any other part of your body. Yeah. You have to exercise it with, you know, pushing yourself to, to reach a level of aptitude and, and, and almost a certain measure of stress mixed with success. Yeah. And it keeps you sharp, keeps you young. I'll tell you that. God damn. So that's the brutal truth about the music industry, right? It's like, it is, it's up to you. It's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. And the reward is what everybody else sees. And I think that's actually why on the other end of the music industry, why I've been so grateful for this podcast and the relationships that I've made because- Yeah, you're doing great. There was a period of time where I was like, who do I know? Like, no one supports me, right? Like, how am I gonna make it? And then you realize there's like people like you and I and like Steven and like Max Styler, right? That are like in that same boat as us. Both amazing and great. Max Styler, CJGG, Susan, Steve, of course, they know who you're talking about, but yeah. amazing human beings. Yeah. I. I like sorry for all the metaphors, but life is Keep a metaphor. Going, baby. But yeah. <laughs> but I I'll never forget when I met uh one of my best friends and so my two best friends who I hike with a lot, Jason and Eric. Um Jason and I are born on the same day. Eric's born uh three days before us. <laughs> and Eric and I became best friends back when I lived in Detroit before I moved to Chicago. Okay. Jason had just moved there from LA, started to introduce all of us. Jason and I clicked instantly. I remember we were at my house right before I moved to Chicago. And we're sitting in my basement and I invited him over because I could tell he's a stoner. He's like this <laughs> surfer hippie dude from LA. And I'm like, this guy smokes pot. For sure. 100%. I'm like, I'm like, you want to 
come over and smoke some pot with me. I know the answer already, but I'm being cordial. Hell yeah, dude, let's do it. So he comes over, we're getting stoned, and we're just vibing. Yeah. Vibing, you know, talking about anything infinitesimal and existential all at the same time. We're just going from the ground up. And uh, it was like one of the first, like, really intuitive, thought-provoking conversations he had with anybody since he had moved there. Yeah. And he's like, dude, he's like, I'm so fucking glad I met you. And he's like, uh, I really haven't met anybody like this in Detroit. And I told yeah. him, and I've, I said it ad lib, but I've used it many times since, and I'm using it now, is life is just like this jungle. Yeah. And all we have is our basically our energy, our positivity, and our spirituality is our machete that chops through that jungle until we can find other us's, until we find other me's. And when we do, they are there for life. But you got to chop through that shit to find them. Fuck yeah, you but do. it makes it more worth it when you do. That is literally the best way to say what I just said I've ever, ever heard. But it's exactly what you just said. Because it's true. And then you meet those people and they do give you hope because this industry can pull you down. It can really pull you down. You are, people treat you for the most part, the 90 percentile treats you based on how much you mean to them. Yeah. They treat you great when you make them money, when you mean something to them, and yeah. they treat you like absolute shit when you don't. Yeah. And so that's why finding those relationships that are going to perpetuate that and be more lifelong because yeah. it's not, it's, we are all going to become, we are all, whether we believe it or not, mm -hmm. going to come to that washed up artist stage in our lives. For sure. You know, and it's going to happen. It, you no, know, it's even going to happen for Carl Cox, believe it or not. Like, I hate, I hate to say that, but I mean, like, but they're, they're the one millionth of a percentile, the Carl Coxes and the Danny Tenaglias. Yeah. And the fact that, like, you know, I've been doing this now for 15 years. I, I even sometimes think, like, holy shit, I can't believe I've been doing this 15 years. Wow. But then I'm like, take that badge off your fucking shoulder, yeah. motherfucker. You got work to do. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> you got work to do. For sure. So there's no resting on your laurels, but, you know, it's important, which is perpetuates my relationship with nature. It's important to set yourself up mentally and spiritually yeah. for not um, constantly getting that, not allowing the dopamine rush of, I got a booking and I had a top 10 track and people right. love me and that, and the, and the, you know, the, the uplifting reverberations and, and energy that you do get from people yeah. loving your music, be, coming to your shows. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be measured and substantiated also by real tactile mm -hmm. things yeah. like a good relationship with your family, a good relationship with nature, things that you can kind of lean back on because yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be dark days. There's going to be lights. They're going to be, there's going to be days where it's all flowers and kittens, but there's going to be days where you're like, you know, there's two emotions as being an artist. One of them, you're skipping through the valley going, I'm so great. I'm so great. And the other emotion, you're sitting in your bed, sucking your thumb going and that can be one day to the next, yeah, right? It, it can be it can be happen twice in the same day, it's both in the same day. Crazy, yeah, 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 dude. It, that and I gotta tell you, that's why you are are so inspiring to me. Like you said something out on the balcony that was you may not even realize it, but the relationship you have with the artists that you book, you know, to me, when I book artists that come travel here and I know them, I've had them on the podcast and they want to come hang out, like, and they want they want to get the Sherm experience in Chicago. <laughs> I'm like. You want to get the Sherm experience? Okay, yeah. Like, let's do it. Like, I've yeah. seen the videos. I've yeah. Seen, uh, it's yeah. so I'm like, fun. I'm like, I want... Right, dude, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's way more Chicago like, I than me. I live in Chicago. I'm yeah. like, but... <laughs> I'm like, I sign up for that shit. People don't know I grew up in Indiana. I've been here seven years. I'm trying to earn my stripes. Indianapolis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indianapolis. So it's like. We are both, we are both other Midwest transplants. Cleveland, Indianapolis, basically. I'm doing the Rust Belt tour. I grew up in Cleveland, (laughs) lived in Detroit. (laughs) Rust Belt tour. For eight years. And now I've been in Chicago for uh, 11. But Indy loves you. You play big shows there. Yeah. Thanks thanks to. Uriah Goins is a guy yeah. that's always been booking me there. If you yeah. know Uriah, he's, yeah, he's been booking me there from even way before Envy. I mean, he was booking me back at Blue. Uriah, I love you, dude. Uh, yeah. Was booking me back at Blue back in the day. He was the first guy to bring me down there. Was just a fan and paid for me to come play there oh, and really helped build my my him and that whole crew down there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all amazing people and yeah. I've been really blessed. And then uh, now, you know, at Envy with Jason Jenkins and his wife, Tawny, they've become like my family too and yeah. really have built something really great there, which is very um, – uh, it's the exception, not the rule for a mid-major market like that. Like I call yeah. those types of cities yep. your mid-majors. Mid-major. Uh, so you've got your majors. you got your Miami, your New York, your – I would even consider Vegas, Chicago, San Francisco, yeah. L.A. Yeah. You know, you've got those markets. Right. And then you've got your mid-major markets, yeah. um, you know – even Detroit, Detroit's birthplace of techno, but, yeah. but Detroit, and trust me, I'm from there, um, and I'm not knocking on Detroit. Detroit was absolutely essential for me sitting in this chair right now talking to you. I moved there as a corporate guy out of school and left when I moved to Chicago, a, <laughs> a electronic musician. Yeah. So it, 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 True. it unequivocally shaped who I am today. Yeah. But it's not like movement every weekend. It's totally. a, it's, it's 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 only five five hundred thousand yeah. uh, people. So your Indiana's, you know, your Cleveland's, Pittsburgh's, uh, Detroit, um, True. Des Moines, Iowa's, you know, Sacramento's, whatever. Yeah. So even Seattle, Portland, places yeah. like this. Yeah. There are some of these markets that have literally no scene at all. Mm-hmm. Like I just went falsetto. I just got. I just just went just went through puberty. <laughs> but literally, like. And I'm not going to name names because something's probably happened in there. And I don't yeah, want to yeah, piss yeah. off some promoter sure, sure. that I don't know about. But there are markets where there's like there's there's a, a a void of having a scene, and then you have a place like Indianapolis yeah. that has got a scene that will rival some big cities. Yeah. And so it's very weird. It's it's very um, you're not able to really define it. Uh, it's True. a little bit of a paradox. But isn't it interesting how those mid market cities are growing because of what dance music is doing right now? Uh, well. It? I uh, never House forget music. the conversation that I had with my father when he started to realize that I had found my ish. Yeah. And I started to get all these like questions. Uh-huh. And I was like, cause I was so excited <laughs> and I'm introducing it to my parents and like, this is going to be big. Like I saw it. I saw, you know, the, the, the self-fulfilling prophecy of what it could possibly be. Yeah. And I'll never forget. My father said, isn't this like grunge rock? Where it's gonna be big, and then for ten years it's gonna be it's gonna be you know um, obsolete. Yeah. And I said, Dad, no, it's like rock, wow. except could be bigger, because there's an infinite learning. There's 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 an infinite possibilities. There's no learning curve. Like yeah. if you can think it, it can it can happen. Yes. And yes, it's a lot of music is recreated a bunch of times, sure. and it, it is what it is. History repeats itself, yeah. but. It's predicated on something that does not have limits. I could send you to, you know, piano school, yeah. 
it doesn't mean you're going to come back Tchaikovsky. I can send myself to guitar right. school. It doesn't mean I'm going to be Eddie Van Halen or right. Carlos Santana. <laughs> that being said, if you were Bach yeah. or Mozart, and right. I was Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> there'd still be only so much that we could do with True. that instrument. True. Even the most like, you know, badass geniuses of their craft still had a glass ceiling. With electronic music, there is no glass ceiling. There's no barrier to entry. There's no barrier. And, and I knew that it would start to bleed itself into pop culture eventually. And now that. you hear it like in these like rock bands. These I love these alternative rock bands that are coming out that mix like electronic music with yeah. it. And, uh, and I love, you know, even hip hop and stuff like in pop music. I was like, I couldn't have told you a pop music star or a hip hop star for a good six, seven years. Right. And just recently, because I'm kind of like, I kind of like it. <laughs> kind of like I kind of like that shit. Yeah, because they're integrating electronic music a lot more, and True. I think that it's great. I, I remember when there was a, a huge, there wasn't always these all these subgenres that existed. True, there was house, techno, trance, which was the baby of house and techno. Yeah. if house is the mother and techno is the father, trance was the first subgenre ever. Yeah, and and. And then all of a sudden, and that was the aughts, the 2000s. It was pretty much the predominant kind of way. Uh, progressive House came about in the two, three, four years, mm -hmm. which was a deeper version of House and Trance yeah. mixed. So that became kind of the second subgenre. And then it was just kind of was what it was. Electro came out, but it wasn't the electro like it is today. It was more like what Deep House sounds like today. Mm -hmm. You know, um, big sine wave, bass-driven vocals. So you started to see all these little subgenres popping up, and then all of a sudden, boom, EDM happens in like 2008-ish, 9-ish, which electro kind of developed into all of a sudden this saw wave, like like Benny Benassi satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like really what kicked it off. True. And then all of a sudden, EDM happens, and it was like there was all of a sudden this distinct like line drawn in the sand, like you're either EDM or you're fucking not <laughs> and, like, and it was like all the edm people are like fuck you guys we're laughing all the way to the bank yeah, yeah and all yeah. the non-edm people were like fuck you <laughs> no fuck you you know and they were like trying to be underground and like yeah. they didn't want to cross over i remember so many people other artists saying to me man this edm shit fucking bullshit fuck them and I, would, I told them, I said, you should thank your lucky stars that EDM is happening. Yeah. Because what it has done is when I was coming up, when I was really young, the main crowd was 21, 22, 23 to like early 30s. Yeah. And you lose a huge portion of that following yeah. around 25, 26. Why? Marriage, mortgages, cars. Hangovers. Debt. <laughs> Debt, no, just they become adults. Yeah. And a lot of people that consider themselves adults or are in families associate the time that they were the craziest in their lives when they yeah. did drugs with their time where they went to clubs and electronic elect, and listened to electronic music. So they disband it. So they, they go from going to not going and I need to be a family person now. There's yeah. very few of us lifers. That's how it was. Yeah. It wasn't a part of our culture the way it is in Europe. Right. I would go to Europe and see people with their babies yeah. that would have like the Pasha double cherry shirts on <laughs> yeah. on their toddlers <laughs> and they're listening that. and their parents and their, their, their yeah. families and they still have electronic music playing in the background because it was part of their culture. Yeah. Yeah. I knew once the EDM uh, apex happened in 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, right. 
it was going to shift America for the better. Yeah. Eventually, mm-hmm. to electronic music being part of our actual culture, to where this was going to be the first generation that actually listened to it as teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then passed it on to their kids. Yeah. And since that happened, look at the scope of people listening to electronic music now. It's twelve to. 52. It's a $10 billion industry. Now. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's grown so much, but the timeline, the chronological age timeline yeah. of when they're starting and when they're continuing has, has grown exponentially. Yeah. And it was all because of EDM. Yeah. EDM got into the everyday average person's car radio, mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. podcast, iPod at the time. Yeah. All of a sudden, it, people were like, "Oh, electronic music," and that was the entire that this last decade. Now look at it, now and now it's it's literally a part of our lives. It's literally a part of a, everything that everybody we do. knows what a DJ is, right? Like people used to say disc jockey, right? But now people get it. Yeah, parents get it, grandparents get it. Yeah, yeah, they well, they I don't will, get it. They know what it is. Well, I mean, I I will. I will respectfully add that they know the word and they understand the nomenclature. No, actually, they don't understand the nomenclature. They know the word, but they don't understand the nomenclature. They don't know the difference when they hear DJ between Billy Bob Joe that's playing the chicken dance at my my niece's wedding. (laughs) That's a good point. To what do you do? Like I was just in Colorado last week visiting family and my uncle went out golfing for the day with his golf buddies. I mean, he's fucking in his 70s, but... Great shape, still active. Yeah. He's out talking with a bunch of other guys in their 60s and 70s and bragging about his nephew. My, yeah. my nephew's out visiting. He's this, he's that. He's yeah. doing really well. Right. And they're all just cynical as fuck. Right. Like, he's a DJ? Yeah. He makes that's... a living doing that? Because they're not able to decipher the difference between the two. The proliferation of Good technology, the, the once that, you know, I grew up on vinyl and People would be like, fuck that. Because it takes a good year to learn how to be great on vinyl. And I'm talking a year practicing every fucking day. Yeah. And then the proliferation of laptop technology, which is great, but also with a bittersweet pill, allowed people to use quantization and sync and master tempo. And all of a sudden, within a two weeks, somebody could load up all their favorite shit and be pressing sync and be like, I'm a DJ. Sure. Not gonna say no. Well, it's so interesting about vinyl too. You know, I interviewed Ghetto Blaster and had a great conversation with Paul Paul. about it. Love you, Paul. Paul's Paul's one of my favorite humans. And I feel like something in our generation that I I really try and always appreciate the the physical touch of listening to records in the record store. I agree with you more. Then you know, YouTube to MP3, right? And putting it on the CDJ and hitting play. You don't have that connection to the music. So I do there there are it's you know your your Ben Franklin pros and cons chart. I I'm a perfectionist yeah. and I'm OCD as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I, I talk about blessing and a curse. I yeah. mean, my place you could eat off my floors. <laughs> my 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 drawers are color color coordinated. <laughs> oh my god, Anthony! I know it's bad. <laughs> that's good though. It's I mean, good, but that's what I'm saying. It's good and it's bad. So for me, <laughs> I I love the digital revolution because I'm like. Now perfection is not yeah. out of the realm of possibility. However, the the idiosyncrasies that went into playing with vinyl, I mean, it would go 
break down to even how heavy the vinyl was. Yeah. You had to learn how to twist and touch the plate and touch the vinyl and touch the nipple. <laughs> Uh, like a certain way, spin it a certain way. If it was, if, if the vinyl was poorly created, if it, they used a cheap weight, it would just, it would, it would skate like a motherfucker and you'd have to start the mix all over go back. Uh, being in the middle, I remember one of the first rave type events that I played in Detroit. It was a party called snap and it was at the works and I played there and it was kind of my coming out party in Detroit because I grew up in Cleveland. So for the first two years I was DJing, I would literally, I lived in Detroit. I lived in Detroit, but I would drive to Cleveland two and a half hours every weekend because I was a resident at this dope-ass club there, but that's where all my connections were. Yeah. Those are all the people I knew. So that's where I got my first gig. So I lived in Detroit for two years before ever even getting a gig there. So my first big gig was this party called Snap, and uh, it was at the Works. And the if you've been to Movement, you've been to the Works, I hope. It's I've this, been to Works. It's, yeah, the shit is like, I can't believe the building's still standing. I'm, I'm, <laughs> imagine it 15 years ago. Okay, so so I'm playing there, packed crowd. I'm murdering it. I just stole the show. It was kind of my like coming out party in Detroit. Like, who the fuck's this guy? I came out, and even though I will never ever forget that set and just how much it was that first true feeling of like, I mean, I got these motherfuckers by the palm of my hand. <laughs> Twice during the set, some asshole bumped into the fucking uh, uh, the turntable. And skip the record yeah. and had to start all over. And then I'll never forget the, I don't even remember the name of the track, but the, I'll never forget the biggest track I was dropping that night. I remember the vinyl was yellow. I'll never forget, but I don't remember the name of the track. But it caught a dust bunny. My 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 Ornithon badass, uh, top of the line, $120 needles, <laughs> kickstands asses, still caught a dust bunny. And right in the drop, the thing goes, and just goes to the end of the record. So it's like those that type of shit would happen. Yeah. And it would just... But it would happen to everyone, and right. if it happens now, I will. Rem- I remember like a fuck up from like four years ago. Jesus. I remember like accidentally <laughs> pressing. It's happened. It only happens. God, I'm cursing myself. It's probably gonna happen this weekend. <laughs> uh, it happens like still to this day, like once a year. Yeah, still. But you're just in the moment. You go down. You hit. Yeah. Fucking pause on the track when oh, you meant to press play. I'm play for the next track to come in. In the middle of the track, the thing fucking stops, and you're like, oh my god. And you gotta own it. The guys that are like, what the fuck's up with the fucking shit? <laughs> the goddamn. Don't get me wrong. I have had chords come undone. Yeah. I have literally had equipment failures. In in my life right but djs if you fuck up yeah own that shit own that shit own that shit i agree just say i'm sorry like no one loves someone more than it than it than someone that's humble yeah and has humility yeah we are all humans we all fuck up and just being like my fault my fucking fault as much as you want to duck down or blame the equipment or yeah. raise your hands up <laughs> To own it, dude, because people then all of a sudden you're part, you're, you're, you bring yourself down, even though how high the DJ booth, you're all of a sudden down with them <laughs> and you're, you're a flawed human being and they will appreciate you for that. Yeah. So, yeah, but back to the vinyl thing is like, I loved it because it really segregated the, the haves and the, not the haves and the have nots, but like the, the people that, the talent and the not talent. Yeah. Like you can't fake fucking being good on vinyl. You can't. No. You can fake being good digitally yeah so true i walked up into a booth a month or month and a half ago and not gonna name the club not gonna name the artist and in fact he was playing great 
There's nothing, not even knocking the artist. He was playing fucking great. But I went up and I took off quantization. <laughs> I took mm-hmm. off sync. I took off master tempo. Yeah. Put it on vinyl instead of CDJ mode. And he was more perplexed. He was flummoxed, to be honest. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? He I'm goes, Why, why'd you take all that off? I go, because I want to DJ. Yeah. Even though no one fucking know the difference, if I had all that on and I used all those crutches, yeah. I know the difference. And for me personally, I'm always grading myself. I play 100 plus shows a year and I give myself an A plus once or twice a year. There's a lot of, a lot of A's. A lot of A's. Lot, mostly A's. Right. A couple B pluses. God forbid there's a C in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I I prep and practice and and take it too seriously to even have a C. But right. there's a couple nights where you think you're playing great, and then maybe there's a disconnect between you and the crowd. It sure. happens. Yeah, I would say the the majority are A's, but like there's a lot of 94, 95 percent. There's very very few hundred percent. I love that you do that. There's a, do, there's there's like too. one or two hundred percent the entire fucking year. You take yourself seriously because I take myself seriously, and I'm always challenging myself, and I want to do it. I want to really do it. Yeah. I don't want to just say, hey, I did it with quantization and with my sync button all night. And no knock, I'm not knocking on anyone else that uses that. Honestly, it's not about us when it comes down to it. This is just a big thing. Really what it comes down to is making sure people are having a good time. Yeah. I'm just talking about me personally, what I'm going through up in the booth. We're the 1%. I always say that. It's the 99%. Yeah. They don't know. They know? don't know. Yeah. And honestly, it doesn't matter. Honestly, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It really, really doesn't. Yeah. I'm just talking about my, how fucked up I am in the head right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is more of a therapy session than a podcast, probably. That's okay. And so, it's an open conversation. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while now. <laughs> This is his first real podcast, by the way. <laughs> That's why we're colorful socks. <laughs> so, uh, but... It really, honestly, what it really comes down to, and really not to get super digress, not to digress like crazy, but uh, what really kind of set me free, if you want to get really deep, yeah. um, mentally yeah. is my inab- don't don't feel sorry for me, my inability to find happiness through my success. No matter how much success I have, I am wired in a way that I want to continually have more success, climb a higher mountain, hike a longer hike, Mm. make a better track. Mm. And that can be a torturous existence, let me tell you. But through that, I found that other people's happiness is what makes me happy. And that's what truly set me free is that through this rigmarole, this constant impossible process I would put myself through... I reverse engineered it and said, okay, if you're going to be this asshole to yourself and never like really truly be like pat yourself on the back, what does make you happy? Let's break it down. Let's, let's, let's deduce the situation. And I, the answer was clear. Other people being happy makes me happy. And through that, I found that, and back to the whole thing that I was talking about before, really what it comes down to is those 10 hundred or a thousand people and every number in between that are standing in front of you and trusting you to make their night great. Making their night great is what is most important. Whether you're using a laptop, whether you're using vinyl, really what it comes down to is their happiness. So no matter what other little challenges you put to yourself, that's fine. Do it. I got to do it for myself just because I like to torture myself. But <laughs> but really what it comes down to is their happiness. And that's truly what I, set me, honestly, it set me free spiritually. 
Anthony, I feel like I, I really understand you as a person. So I want to say thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And Thanks. I feel like I kind of just understood why incorrect is so special because you truly put the artist first on that label. Oh yeah. Everyone gets a best in class service. Anyone who I've ever interviewed or talked to speaks so highly of their experience on incorrect and your label parties, the fans, the experience they get, the partnerships that you have with people like Uriah, right? Like all over the country. You put others first and you get fulfillment out of that. Absolutely. That's very, very true. It's it, it's which is an interesting dichotomy because this industry is a very, very me centric. Yeah. It, it's very me centric. Totally. And, like I want to have a label so that I can grow. And don't get me wrong. Right. I, I, I am I am I am driven on my personal success, of, sure, course. of course. But my label really was uh, is not was, but yeah. it, how, why I started it, and and the reason that I, I mean, trust me, I'm not getting rich off that label. No, you're you know, not. That's in what fact, I'm saying. In fact, yeah. I say, hand of God, hand of God, I've never taken a penny from any of the label profits. Every single penny that the label makes, I put back into the label. Amazing. And and well, thankfully, I've got a good career myself to do to be able to do that. Yeah. There are other people that have big labels, and that's their bread and butter. And more power to them. But for me. Really incorrect was a platform to express art, to express music, to express uh, a community, uh, to create a tribal community yeah. of people that could go and know uh, undoubtedly that they would be around people that were like them, that liked the same music as them and that they could feel comfortable. I've had people go to incorrect events on their own because they, I, they had the trust to know that there would be other people like them there. You know, any successful relationship, whether it's a uh, platonic relationship, a business partnership, an intimate relationship, a familial relationship, yeah. it's all predicated on the common denominator and the foundation of trust. Right. You have to have trust. Yeah. If you don't have trust, the there's no apex to the pyramid. Yeah. There's no crescendo to the hill. Yeah. You're just a house of cards waiting to get blown over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust is the standard by which everything else is created mm -hmm. and when you have that trust and you create that community then a perfect example of this is my my miami music week event yeah i did it at treehouse right uh you know that's my residency shout out to treehouse lucio and dave great venue in miami yeah it's my it's my it's like my spy bar south ah. I, it, it really is it really it's is an awesome place it really is yeah and so you know, we did our first incorrect event there. We've been wanting to do it for the last three years, but <laughs> global pandemics happen. And Ever heard of it? Yes, yeah. You know, <laughs> sir, occasionally global pandemics happen. So we weren't able to do it the last couple of years. Yeah. So we finally did it this year. And um, I told them, they were like, we got, you know, what about the lineup? And we're going back and forth about the lineup because, you know, every type time I do an incorrect event, it's a partnership with the venue. I want everyone to be vested in what's going on. I don't yeah. want to put a product out there because it creates a lot of different dynamics and that go with it. So it's always a group, a group effort. We're talking about the lineup. We're finalizing some things. And I'm like, I want to get the flyer out. Fuck the lineup. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put the lineup out when it's ready to put the lineup out. Yeah. But I want to put a flyer out. Incorrect. Miami Music Week. Date, here's the date, here's the venue. Yeah. March 23rd, Treehouse. I said, honestly, we'll sell the club half out at least just with that. Yeah. And they were like, 
I mean, and these guys love me. These guys have been my dogs for in Miami for years now. And it's not that they didn't trust me or believe in incorrect or myself, but I told them, I said, I have spent a decade being what they expect, making incorrect what they expect it to be. Yeah. You know, and at this point they trust me. I said, watch. And thank you for everyone out there. We put the flyer out and we almost sold the club out just off, just off the, with the, with the, um, with the label logo and the date and everything before even putting the, and then the lineup comes out because they knew the fucking lineup was going to be badass because the lineup's so always badass. Sick. And then the line, then when the lineup comes out, they're like, it is, it is what I thought it was. Like not to steal. Who's the, who's the Vikings coach? Dennis. Uh, oh, they are who they thought yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. that's bad. but in a positive way, <laughs> the lineup comes out and they're like, it is what we thought it Dude, was. Incredible. It wasn't like fuck. I fucking trusted Anthony. Yeah. Gave him not me, but like invested in his party. Gave them my money. Bought a table. I mean, all of our tables were sold out. 150, 200 tickets out of the 300 that we could sell were already sold out before we even put the lineup out. Why? Because of trust. Yeah. Because hmm. of trust. So it's just a very, very, very important thing to do. And so back to what you were saying about yeah. uh, the label and and, and people, uh, you know, making, making positive uh, referendums and, and adulation towards the label. Yeah. It's because I take it I take it super seriously. Yeah. And I want everyone to you know, to feel like. I know what it's like to release on a label and not think that they give a fuck about. Yeah. I've signed some tracks, and you know who you are, but I've signed some tracks to some really big labels. Yeah. And when they came out, it was just like I felt like they just put it out. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I've I've signed some on the on the opposite side. I've signed some tracks to some big labels, and I was like, I, I wow, these motherfuckers know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I need to be taking notes actually yes. on how to do this with incorrect because they're doing it better. Than I am, and I've learned and I've evolved from that. Mm -hmm. And then I've also had ones where I'm like, do they even care? My track just went top fifty. My track just went top twenty. Yeah. Do they care? They're not putting posts about it. They're not posting videos about not it. Emailing you. Yeah, I'm. I'm the one telling them. Hey, did you go? <laughs> hey. <laughs> did you see my track is top twenty? Uh, no, no. All right. That's the ugly side of the industry. But it is what it is, and yeah. and um. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's important for me that, uh, you know, when, you know, S Steve's like that with his label. I know? was going to say, that's what we're trying to do with Hood Politics. You guys are doing that same thing with Hood Politics. I mean, I felt the same love when Steve, when we released Blackmail on, on Bro, Hood. Bro, we were so pumped. So pumped. We were like, fucking Anthony Atala is releasing on Hood Politics, bro. Appreciate it, man. And all the, all the fans, and, and that's why, like, we, we really look up to you in that regard. Because Thanks, you started Incorrect shortly after you released some of your first music. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my first track came out in 8, I think. 2008. And, my, and, and I think... Uh, uh, Incorrect was 9. Yeah, Incorrect was 9. And yeah. you did a fucking 12-track album with Christopher Norman, too. So Chris is a great... Chris is somewhere in his basement in Austin, Texas, still, still, still making like the way better music than ninety percent of us. The guy's a fucking genius. He's so sick. He's the one who really, in the weirdest, like polar opposite yin yang, but also worked way, kind of showed me a way around production. So huh. I was uh, wanting to get into production. Um, I knew that I had to start making music instead of playing everyone else's music. I just quit my fucking job. I'm like, it's go time. Like Damn. shit just got serious. Right. I've quit my job without ever knowing how to produce, but that's what got me into it. So wow. at the time, um, there was a really big trance DJ in Detroit, Kenneth Thomas, who was touring with Paul Oakenfold mm -hmm. and he and I were friends and I was asking him about, you know, 
uh, how do I, you know, like, is it what to do at the time? Trust me, at the time, it was one one hundred thousandth of a percentile <laughs> the amount of content available to learn how to produce as there is now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was you had to buy DVDs to show you logic <laughs> tutorials. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. Welcome to 2009. <laughs> anyway, I'm not fucking around either. So at the time, there was this guy, uh, Chris Norman. He went by this DJ name is Retrobite, who had just remixed uh, um, Gabriel Dresden, and the track went huge. Yeah. And like everyone was all the progressive house and trans people were playing it. And this guy was just known as almost like a savant, almost like a producer savant. And uh, Kenneth knew him. I didn't know him, and he introduced us, and we could not have been the more opposite people, hmm. but it was the, one of the greatest, um, introductions that I could have ever had in my life. I mean, he was physically, mentally, sexually, everything opposite that I was. I'm short, <laughs> brown. I like girls, you know, he was tall, skinny, redheaded, like gay, yeah. you know? And so literally the opposite. We literally, that's what I'm saying. And, and, we were having a frustrating time. We started working together because I was like his muse. You know, I was like, wait, do this, do that. And I was like so overly <laughs> ambitious that I was helping him finish tracks yeah. where he was helping teaching me the ins and the outs of how to produce. Yeah. And we would butt heads a lot. And to that end, he being the, you know, the the cerebral individual that he was one day said, I think for another, in order for us to communicate better, we need to like take personality tests. So we took the Myers-Briggs personality test. I'm like an ENTJ. He's like a, <laughs> like a total, like a feeler perceiver sensitive. And I'm like charge like yeah. war general. Yeah. But when we learned our opposite personality types, we got to know each other better. And then our, our, our friendship blossomed and we really, it was like two total, you see these like videos of like, like a lion and a bear that live in a zoo that are like getting along with each other. And that's what it was like. It was like, we learned how to really appreciate each other and learn from each other. And then I went off and did my own thing. And I remember him pushing me out of the, I did this track. It was called organic Bangkok. And it was my first like really big track. I think it was like right around 2011. And uh, I'll never forget. I'm making it and him coming over to my place and being like, okay, I'm impressed. He's like, I'm impressed. And so from that point, he kind of pushed me out of the nest and did my own thing. Awesome. And he wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to be like, you know, I'm more of a musician. And I'm like, I just want to be a DJ, you know, and a music producer. And yeah. But that was a, a really, really important um, meeting in my life. And uh, taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about how to interact with people that are not like me as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't just a musical lesson. It was a life lesson. It was something that I learned that not everyone sees through our perception, through our uh, perspective. And once you learn that it's not your way or the highway, people are feeling and perceiving and viewing things in a different way. And when you can start to be more empathetic yeah. to how they're viewing things and how they're feeling, yeah. your level of interpersonal communication mm -hmm. will grow, you know, times 100 and you'll really, tr you'll, you'll get your message across and you'll be able to be a better listener yeah. and, 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 and give better advice. And it was just such a, such an important time in my life. I really like view that as a, one of those, those shifts yeah, where, sure. you know, you're going in one direction and then it shifts and you go in a 
in a direction There's that so has many a greater things to learn from people like that. I you agree. Know, perspective, like I'm someone that's very empathetic as well. I'm always like, I don't care if it's a homeless person on the street. I don't care. If it's like my front doorman. I don't care if it's our waiter. Like it's something that uh, I've had to listen to myself a little bit more because I'm always like, who is this person? Is it natural for you or is it something you have to work on? It is natural. So I have to work on it. Really? And that's why I, I subconsciously surround people, surround myself with people in my life like you. Yeah. You want Be- a little more? Yes, of course. You want a lot more? Are we are we out? No. I swear I'm not an alcoholic. Let's kill you. There we go. I should have brought some wine over. That's all right. I Cheers. Cheers. This is this is a great conversation. I hope you're taking notes, people. Um, but but I surround myself subconsciously with people like you in my life. I've noticed that. Yeah. I started to notice it when I started to, you know, we all have had toxic habits. Yeah. Dating the same people, surrounding ourselves with the same people that are suppressing us instead of instead of pushing us up. And uh, when I stopped, I I went through a period where I was making, you know, people I dated, people I surrounded myself with. I wasn't maybe the greatest decision. It wasn't like like I was like, you know, in the hood carjacking people. Right. Like making you. like bad decisions yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> but it was just relationships that they were they were good people. I was a good person. It just didn't fit, these types of things. And I definitely started to notice it about uh about six years ago. I started to notice a pattern where I was surrounding myself with people that would calm me down, that they were empathetic because I am, for better or for worse, I am a natural, you're either on my side, by my side, or in my fucking way personality. Sure. I'm like, if you're with me, I am 1000% with you. Yeah. I am like in that fucking <laughs> dog hole with you. I'm taking a bullet for you. Like we are going to war together. Right. But, but if you're lazy, I mean, lazy, apathetic, you know, not, not focused, you know, not, not trying to with, with self-improvement, I would kind of, I would have a, an unfortunate truth about my natural predilection, the natural predilections of my personality to be unempathetic. Mm -hmm. And I started to surround myself subconsciously with people that were empathetic and it taught me patience. Yeah. It taught, you know, it, it taught me, taught me to be a little bit more gentle with my approach, how to speak to people. And I appreciate people like you so much because, um, yeah, I would be like, like a war general or something or like (laughs) right now (laughs) if I wasn't for people like you in my life. And instead I'm drinking wine and making like trying to hanging out. Right. You saved me. Okay. Like people like you saved me, but I, I appreciate people like you to the nth degree because I'm not naturally like that. And so to watch and witness people that are like that is very inspirational for me. For sure. And I think I was maybe like like you at one point where, you know, get the fuck out of my way. You know, it's work hard. It's do this, it's do that. But I think because of who I surround myself with, you know, uh, six people that are standing with me in my wedding are my middle school friends. Yep. You know, and these are Indiana guys, yep. like very simple people. Yep. And uh, I've gone on this whole new journey in the music industry, but like I still remain that person who of I course. am today. There's a saying that says water always finds its level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that saying because that is a it's a great it's, saying. It's, a ve- it's very, very truthful to yeah. what I feel like that we becomes learned in our life mm-hmm. is that, you know, we all go through a very ignorant stage. We go through a stage that's very self-centered. But then when Absolutely. we, I think when we finally matriculate to the individual with who we hopefully want to be, yeah. it's when we become water and we find our level because we start to surround ourselves with people that are inspiring, yeah. that are uplifting, you know, and, totally. uh, 
bringing it full circle back to the to the industry that we're in. It's yeah. so, so, so important to have those people. It's so important. I feel like when I was sharing with you earlier, I've been with my fiance. We went on our first date. Congratulations, by the way. Homeboy's getting married. Crazy. Two months. Crazy. But when we broke up, I thought I had to be someone else. I had to figure out who I was not to realize who I was. And I was Whoa. a frat, and I was like, I, like I, that. Gotta, I gotta fuck girls, I gotta do this, I gotta buy bottles, Shh, you, you know? That's what I thought Shh. I had to do, though, yeah, but you, you know? You no, I didn't fuck any girls. Exactly. 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 So it was like, <laughs> and then and then like a period of my, of my life came when I was a senior in college, like later in the year, and I was like, who am I? Like, yeah. Who do I want to be? But you got to have those moments. You do. You do. That's what I'm saying. You like, really do. Like you, I share, I share that with you where it's like, I was like, this ain't me. This is not me. I thought that I had to do that. And when you're young too, you know, and, and really at any stage in your life, when you're deciding like what the rest of your life is going to be like, it's a really big thought. And I was just like, step back, Matt. Step the fuck back. Who are you right now? And, and what do you want to do tomorrow? You know, because I was just getting caught up. You know, uh, there... We, we constantly are going through this process. And I think that the one thing that we should hold true, there's a, there's a saying in Latin that I love. It's memento more. And it's remember you die. And uh, I always carry that with me and think about that because whenever I'm frustrated or in certain situations, you have to understand that, uh, you know, every breath is a memory. And even the conversations that I'm having you with right now yeah. are gone. And so you have to live your life with urgency. That snap of my finger is going to be gone forever. And remembering that and remembering who you are uh is important when the shit gets tough like you said and uh man that's some real fucking shit man i mean but it's the truth it is the truth and and you don't have to be anybody else but happy really is what it comes down to you just got to be happy and we have to remind ourselves to be happy especially yeah. in this instant gratification generation that we're living in right now where yeah. we're so influxed with our connectivity and our acceptance with everything else that's happening in the world. It's, 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 um, it's, it's unfortunate. Like I, I grew up in a, in a pre and post technological, like I'm in this micro generation where like I grew up with like answering machines and shit and like (laughs) literally yeah, landlines and answering machines and like all that kind of stuff and like green screen computers that's what it was like when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then to watch it all just completely evolve over the yeah. course of my life. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very, very special and weird and and enigmatic kind of or polarizing kind of situation to actually like think about. But uh, it's really, really important to have that grounded sense of self nowadays. Yeah. And uh, and to go through these types of situations that you go through is you don't have to be anybody. You just have to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Trust me. I'm telling myself this all the time, too. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? It's healthy. Yeah, it's healthy. It's healthy. I'm going... I, I try and smell the roses a little more. I'm trying to do that more and more. You know, you, you mentioned earlier trying to find that fine line of like... And I am, I am like you in a lot of ways. I work hard every day. I balance a day job. I'm doing this podcast. I'm producing. I'm working at like Poly. I'm DJing, right? Like, and I have... For so many years, been like, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Aha, it's, dude. And it's important to have that drive, but also it's also as important to be like, be grateful for what you've accomplished. Hence, enter nature. Yeah. 
And we both love nature. How about that? How about that segue? How about that transition? Enter nature. This is the ultimate, the ultimate uh, slice. I'll tell you this. Yeah. Nothing makes you feel so small Mm -hmm. and so alive all at the same time. It is, it is, it will humble the living shit out of you. I have gotten 90% of my scars and like <laughs> bodily harm. I, can't, I told, I told my, I told my friends this the other day we we're talking about, it. I said, you know, when I think back on it, I, I mean, literally nine tenths of all of my injuries have come from being in nature. <laughs> Physical injuries. Yes. And, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I mean, I've got some sports industries from back in the day, but like in my present life, like anything that ails me is because of nature. The thing is though, is that that's how powerful it is. Yeah. Is it like, it fucks me up sometimes. Like I remember going to Kauai for the first time in 2006 with my two best friends and you know, I'm ripping and roaring through the streets, you know, in our car and there's all these signs in Hawaii that say take it slow because really because it's it's a slow vibe. Right. It's like, you know, mahalo. Oh, right. Chill out, dude. <laughs> you know, sunrise slayers kind of attitude. And, and, but the fact of the matter is there's motherfuckers crossing the street all the time. Pigs, chickens, and people. And you really do have to drive slow. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to fucking hit somebody. <laughs> But there's signs everywhere that say, take it slow and quiet, take it slow. And I'm just like, fuck you, out of the way. Yeah. You know, not being rude, but just right. kind of like not having patience because I want to get to the hike. I have never gone on a, a greater hiking trip in my life. A two of the top moments of my entire life happened that trip on hikes that were like uh, palpably spiritual. I don't force spiritualism. It happens. And when it happens, it smacks you in the fucking face. And two different incidents happened on that trip. I got so fucked up on that trip. I got, I got ripped my shoulder open. I still have a scar from going under this fence because I discovered this, this ridgeline hike um, up on the, up, uh, up in the Nepali coast. I, I was snorkeling, got slammed into a coastal, uh, into a, I mean, into a coral reef, sprained my ankle, cut my cut my foot open. Jesus. I on another hike on the Avava Pahui hike. I'm talking with my friends, shrooming my balls up. This is the greatest <laughs> hike. <laughs> and I kick, I because I had these five toe shoes on for for climbing. Yeah. I kick a, a stump, snap my fucking toe off. Like I walked out of that trip bruised, battered, fucked up yeah and i almost cried at the airport because i was about to leave we all sat at the airport and looked at each other we had tears in our eyes because we were leaving like one of the greatest hiking trips one of the greatest natural trips of our lives and so yeah it beats you up but it's all in a way to make you realize that you ain't shit yeah but you are the shit that you you're nothing but you're everything all at the same time. It 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 it, it doesn't make sense, but it, it but you have to, you understand it when you're part of it. And uh, I tell people all the I tell people this all the time too. I got I know I have a lot of I tell people all the times, but, <laughs> but they're good. I have thoughts. They're good I have thoughts, and I like to share them. <laughs> but uh, I I do tell people that think of the most evil people. In history, at least recent history, I'm sure there's a lot of motherfuckers back in the day, but just think of like Pol Pot, Stalin, Hitler, whomever, you know, these horrible people, genocide, killed millions of people. Yeah. 
even these people once a day would probably, or multiple times a week, would put on music and smile or go in nature and smile. Mm. That's how powerful both of these entities are, that they can penetrate the most evil heart, the most evil soul, the most evil spirit, and still give them happiness. (sighs) And that is why these are two such powerful entities in my life their power powerful attributes in my life um is that you have to respect their power yeah respect their power and realize yeah. that you are a tool for them you are a tool you're a messenger yeah. you're a conduit you're a conduit for these things yeah. uh people that think that they invented music you know like act like they invented music because the <laughs> shit doesn't stink it's like <laughs> child please yeah like you we are we are a conduit for it. And yeah. if you act like it's you, you're a puppet. You're not a conduit. So but true. but if you respect it and yeah. you realize its power and you use it in for for the greater good, then you're a conduit. You're um, you know, you're you're a messenger. There's so many things to like digest when you're out in nature, when you're backpacking, leave no trace behind, those moments when the sun is setting and you know that no one has seen this or stepped here before, you know, I'm smoking a joint with my best friend that I mentioned earlier, and we're out in Zion. Oh man, I love Zion. And it's so hot during the day, and you're sweating, and you're carrying this backpack, you know, 40 pounds or whatever, you know, you're, you're salvaging your water, you're making it through this hike, you see the sun going down, it gets freezing at night, you get up in the morning, and it's cold, and it's just like, you experienced so much, everything. It's, it's, like I was saying, it is, the absolute epitome of mind, body, and soul when you are in nature. It's body. It's a workout. Yeah. It's mind. It's the, you know, you want to ever really get to know yourself? Go fucking hike by yourself. Oh. Go hike by yourself. So everyone sees me hiking all the time. You know, I hike 400 plus miles a year. That's incredible, Through national parks. Yeah. Not even trying to like brag, but like I do. You're going to do it. I do. Yeah. I'm going to do it. But the thing is, is that like, (laughs) I'm doing it for myself. You know, I'm doing it for myself because it's my therapy. Yeah. It's my medicine. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I have a therapist. I'm like, oh, I've got nature. (laughs) Because (laughs) of all the hikes that everyone see me on, 50, at least 50, more like 60 to 70% are by myself, uh, hiking by myself. Because you really get to know yourself. No when you're music, hiking nothing. by yourself, you're just walking. no music, no nothing. Yeah. No nothing. I'm just out there. I'm just connected. And, and, and you're asking yourself questions. You're going through your own mental therapy the entire time. You're connecting with nature. You're so, I love hiking with my best friends. Yeah. Sure. I really do. Of course. And I do get that with them too. Yeah. But it's basically a 12 hour comedy show because we're fucking <laughs> laughing our asses off and telling stories the whole time and eating mushrooms and smoking right, pot. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm like, my abs are just as sore as my legs are. And that is awesome. Yeah. However, when I'm by myself, I still am talking to myself. So it's kind of like I'm with someone, but you're, you're, you're with yourself. You're with your own thoughts and yeah. it's the best it's the best therapy. It's the best way to really, really get to know yourself. That's amazing. It's true. It's true, man. It's true. And and you feel like you go through a lot of like emotions. You go through a lot, you know, putting yourself. I mean, don't start off with some crazy ass shit. Of course. Like do stuff that's digestible and manageable. Yeah. But I've gotten to the point where my dad, you know, 
my dad's my best friend, but my dad asks me, he can't, his generation, they weren't as into physical fitness and, yeah, you know, keep uh, taking care of ourselves. And trust me, he was a great athlete and he took pretty good took care of himself for a really long time, but they did it for hobbies. Yeah. We do it for lifestyle yeah. and to perpetuate our health. Yes. And I just, I'm about to go on one of the more ambitious hikes of my entire life next week, just next week. So I'm playing in New York this Saturday. Uh, getting on a 7 a.m. flight, flying to Seattle because I play in Seattle the following week. But my best friend and I, one of them, the one Jason isn't able to come, unfortunately. But Eric <laughs> and I are going on a basically a 125-mile hike in the middle of the Pacific Northwest. Over how many days? Five. Wow. Yeah, so we're doing 25-plus miles a day. Dude. Yeah. That's impressive. Which is fucking intense. Yes. So like up to two years ago, I had never done a 20 mile day. And then once you did it once, it's like, it's like Robert Bannister running the four minute mile. Then, then everybody was fucking doing it like once, <laughs> once a week after that. Same thing. It's a lot of it's mental. Funny thing is so Robert true. Bannister broke the four minute mile. That's his name, right? Robert yeah. Bannister. Yep. Yeah. He was actually not even an athlete. He was a neurologist. Yeah. He was a neurologist studying the, the, the capacity of the mind. And, and he said, I'm going to learn, show everyone I can run a four minute mile, which for a hundred plus years was considered impossible. So I hiked a 20 mile, 20 mile day, uh, where I, right when pandemic started, because I had nothing to do but hike. Of course. And then since then I've done 12 to 14 of them in the last two years, we're going to do five in five days this week, this next week. Um, so but once you start to back to what I was going to say is once you start challenging yourself on in, in nature experiences, you go through some like moments yes. where you're like, <laughs> am I going to be okay? Yeah. Like, did I, did I, did I like, you know, cut off more than I can chew or yeah. whatever, whatever the expression is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but that's great. Because you learn to overcome and you learn to trust yourself and you learn to go through the thick of the shit and come out smelling like roses and you walk off and you're just so tired. You're just like, fuck yes. And you start to build the personal building blocks of loving yourself when you start to accomplish things that you know you can do because we tend to give great advice but not take it ourselves. Yeah. We tend to build people up but not build ourselves up. We tend to love but not self-love. Yeah. And so challenging yourself and putting yourself in situations and overcoming those situations yeah. by yourself with yeah. no one else to help teaches you self-love. It teaches you so it teaches you, you know, lessons of 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 personal affirmation. That, that no one can take away from you. Yeah. That no one can ever take away from you. You have that. You start to build those building blocks to your own pyramid and to your own level of success and not being afraid to love yourself. Anthony, you're reminding me actually of a lot of moments, not necessarily where I've <laughs> hiked that far by myself, which yeah. I feel like I need to do though, honestly, now that you're telling me. But when I'm by myself, like I remember I had a moment when I was abroad, I studied abroad in Barcelona and it changed my life. And it was like the last week I was there. Actually, I just saw it on my time hop recently and I took a video of myself just being like, remember this moment. Yeah. Like I climbed up on like the, like in this really cool park called the Park Citadella and there was like this fair going on. I know on. exactly where that's at. Yeah, it's amazing. Barcelona is my, my, my jam, that's my city. It's beautiful and I was just like, I'm taking a video because I wanna remember how I feel right now. Exactly. Like so clear, so happy, you know, just to stumble upon people, you know, be, like being empathetic as fuck, you know, of course. But I just really vividly remember how I felt because I was, 
so far from home, but so happy, you know, with the experience that I had because I chose to go outside of my comfort zone. You became a man on that trip. I did. I went on an internship to Germany uh, between my junior and senior years of undergrad. Yeah. And uh, I was there for two and a half months by myself. And I became a fucking man. Yeah, you did. I was all alone. Yeah. You know, and this is back when every country still had borders. Yeah. This is before the Euro, like a year or two before the Euro where the EU came about and all the... Sorry, and all yeah. the borders were, were were torn down. Yeah. This was like the last year, last year or two of that. And um, I went to Denmark, Holland. Well, I was in Germany, but also went to Denmark, Holland, and Sweden. And yeah. really, honestly, gave me a whole different viewpoint of cultural stuff, of like cultural just yeah, the way, way to eat, yeah. the, way to, the way to communicate. Yeah. Um, it was very thought-provoking but more importantly i learned who i was being alone for two plus months in europe by yourself when i'm not speaking the languages Mm -hmm. and uh really kind of start to learn who you are and uh start to who you can be who you can be who you can be gives you so much confidence so i'm talking about like the nature stuff and honestly even going back to the music stuff taking a chance on yourself like my ignorance was my bliss yeah. and I'm not trying to like do a flashback, but like goes in with what we were saying. My ignorance was my bliss. I was just like, well, you got all the success. You're just going <laughs> to, it's just going to fall in your lap. And yeah. I learned really quickly and, uh, really abruptly that, uh, no, actually, <laughs> sir, uh, you're going to have to work your fucking ass off and yeah. it's not just going to be your, dedication to your craft it's also going to be political staying true within yourself but also being politically savvy being persistent you know uh, a lot of people can't work need to live in a micromanaged environment where they have people telling them where to be and what to do and all of a sudden learning how to like structure yourself and have to have to you know having to work hard uh these things all of these things in general are super important and we should never be afraid to challenge ourselves because you will not believe the the, the positive messages and stimulation that you'll be able to give yourself. Yeah. Uh, the natural, the, the natural confidence you'll be able to give yourself, you know, uh, uh, living, living this placated, easy life. <clears throat> it's for the birds. It's for the birds. And you're never going to truly honestly find who you can become without challenging yourself and without kind of making yourself feel uncomfortable. So true. Yeah, making yourself feel uncomfortable is really, really a positive thing to do. Yeah, I feel like maybe in America, it's 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 because our, our world is so polarized with social media, you know, what we see on the news and everything, right? Like, you don't want to be the I, person who goes out there and put yourself out there creatively. But yeah, because, do, of, but, because I, I mean, please continue. It can be rewarding or it can fucking crush but you your should soul. Be, but we have to start to change the narrative. Yes. We're fuck being canceled. Yes. Who gives a fuck? Cancel the Who's fuck away. Who's canceling me? Can't cancel the fuck away. Cancel, <laughs> cancel, cancel away. It doesn't matter. Like fuck that, that insecurity. I was talking to a yeah. very, very big artist the other day who's younger. Yeah. It was actually about a month ago. Yeah. And he was talking about a situation where, you know, he had after hours over in his hotel room and these random people showed up and, uh, you know, he was apprehensive about telling him, get the fuck out of here. This is my room because he literally said, quote, I'm not going to name the name, yeah. um, but 
uh, he said to me, because he's like, I don't want to piss anybody off. He goes, because next thing you know, I could be canceled. <laughs> and I was like, for me. A real fear. I was like. Like, you know, when you tell your dog, like, do you want to treat her? Do you want to go outside? They're like, Whoa. like that was me. I was like, snap my head to the side. I was like, not to, I wasn't even, not in a derogatory way towards him at all. I was actually perplexed at the whole, like, wow, yeah. this is a perspective of our society today is yeah. the insecurity of being canceled. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Tell me. Fuck everyone yeah don't worry about being canceled if your heart is in the right place and your mind is in the right place yep. be you speak your mind do whatever the fuck you want to do yep. you know the truth will set you free if you if you're a, if you're a truthful individual if you're someone that means well that treats people well you know i've got if you looked at my <laughs> if you looked at my mirror in my bathroom <laughs> it's covered with so many white sticky notes yeah that I'm like looking for a place to brush my teeth in the morning. So I've got, a, I've got like a, I've got like a three by two area yeah. that's open that I that I brush my teeth in, and it's a double sink bathroom, which means like both sinks are. But there's these daily affirmations that I remind myself, and a lot of them come down to you know who did you affect. Your, whose lives did you affect in a positive way? Yeah. You know, what did you learn today? You know, did you make someone smile today? You know, just really simple shit. It doesn't yeah. have to be like the Latin shit that I was talking to you about or right. something incredibly existential or intuitive or thought provoking. It can just be these right. simple things that we have to go about our day with that will make ourselves feel better and, and obviously give ourselves a better life and make other people happy around us too. So, yeah. I know we got like 20 different subjects, like all matriculating in this, which is brew right now. Honestly, but, Vinny, this has been one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. And I appreciate you being so honest and open. And I figure you would be sure, but this is refreshing to me, honestly. Thank you. Because I think everybody kind of has this truth underneath it all. Of course. We're like, I just want to be me, but I'm afraid of the judgment of others. Yeah. yeah. I say, fuck that shit. And I dealt with that starting this podcast, you know, like I was, I hated my own voice. Listen, uh, newsflash. Yeah. We all hate our own voices. Yeah, I know. That's what I realized. We all do. We all do. We hate it. You got to own it. You got to own, own it. You got to fucking own it. Right. Because people can tell when you hate your own voice. Yes. Because you're, you're trying to talk lower and really you, cool. And listen. you got to just go with it and be as gregarious Dude. and extroverted as you possibly can and yep. be yourself. And who gives a fuck? The first episode, I literally am like, what's up? This is Sherm. That was my first podcast. We did incorrect podcasts for about a year before the pandemic hit. I know we haven't started it up again. I'm sorry. <laughs> was it a conversation podcast? No, well, no, it was a music podcast. You were talking. But I talked. Right. But I had like half people, half my friends be like, shut the fuck up and play music. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, but like, same shit, incorrect, 001 podcast. This is Anthony Atala. Right. I I am here to uh, (laughs) present to you the finest collection of. House music tracks, you know, and I'm just and and my my friends are like, yo, that's not you. That doesn't sound like you. Like your personality, you have just truncated and suppressed your entire personality. Yeah, like pull the ripcord, motherfucker. (laughs) Go for it. You know, you gotta go for it and just let it go. And then I started just like say, you know what? Fuck my voice. Fuck how I sound. Yeah, you know, like. 
we all hate our own voice and maybe I do sound like, you know, maybe I do sound like shit, but who cares? Like, yeah. fuck it. Uh, you Own know, people, it. people are going to know, people are going to know if you're faking it. So you just gotta, you just gotta love it and go for it and, yeah. and, and let your personality shine through. For sure. Do you feel like that's like what almost gets you up every day is like really knowing who you are now? Like unapologetically Anthony Atala every day. Oh, no, I wish that would, that would be sweet. Yeah, that would, that would, be, <laughs> that would like, be sweet. That would be cute. That would be cute. No, you know what gets me up every day? What the asshole motherfucker in my mind is like, <laughs> get your ass up, bitch! You ain't shit. It's five forty-five. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. got work to do, bro. You are one of the only people in the music industry that texts back at seven a.m. Because my job starts at seven a.m. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna you know get my thoughts out of my head. Oh, you respond right away. I'm like. This guy operates. Different. Yeah, I am. <laughs> apologies to all the promoters and artists. Fuck and, them. And I know I annoy myself sometimes. You're normal. Because I, I am a. I am a. I am a worker bee. I am yeah. a worker bee. I will, like, I will be like flying home hungover from a gig and be like, <laughs> "Bitch, work, you, <laughs> <laughs> baby." Like, I'll reply to everyone's texts, yeah. all the emails. You know, I'm like, you pay hard, you play hard. That's yeah. my that's my mentality. Yeah. And uh, sometimes people are like, yo, it's Saturday, bro. Just just sleep. Just, you're, you're good. You're good. No, not in a. I I understand the 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 balance, but I am a worker bee. You know, I mean, I can't help it. I can't take it out of myself. I I want to create. I'm a creator. Yeah. I like to create, and yeah. and and even if that. Even if it means creating my schedule, if it means creating a piece of music, yeah, uh, creating happiness. Yeah, you know. Sorry, I know that was super cheesy, but no. the truth, you know, like, uh, you know, I can't turn the switch off, which is why, again, my relationship with nature is like I unplug. One thing I started to do actually is. I'd always have my phone on when I would hike and no worries. I'm usually way out of uh, reception anyway, yeah, for sure. but the higher you get in elevation, the better your phone reception True. gets. <laughs> and you'll be like in these subalpine forests and like primeval, you know, like rainforests and like no one's around. And then all of a sudden you get to the top of the mountain and like, bing, 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 bing. Oh my God. And like, you know, uh, and I couldn't, sometimes I would look down and it'd be like something I needed to work on. It would take me out of my element. Yeah. So I started to like always put my, my, uh, my phone on, on airplane mode when yeah. I'm hiking and yeah. just to really kind of like untap. Right. But, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm, I'm, I'm being very tangentile. So no, I apologize. No, no, no. It makes complete sense to me, yeah. honestly. So I did want to ask you kind of about the state of the industry right now. I feel like some with you, with your tenure and experience and also like where you're at right now. I mean, I feel like Anthony, you as an individual and incorrect is like the biggest it's ever been, at least in my eyes. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I hope so. I hope so. Like, I, I, Why do you it, think it, that is though? I mean, uh, years uh, paying off, like where, uh, dedica where dedication, staying relevant. Uh, my favorite, my favorite DJ, uh, who is probably the biggest influence on my sound, is Steve Lawler. And really, yeah, love Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a very, very like, not to get too deep, but a very polar shift moment in my life where I had the worst year of my life. My my proverbial house of cards was coming crumbling down. Mm -hmm. At the time, pre this year, before this year, uh, happened. Um, 
I was listening to trance and like house and disco house and it's a while ago. Okay. <laughs> Be patient. Be patient. There's a story. Uh, but I remember I I got my very first Steve Lawler double CD new breed and I put it on and it was such the soundtrack for my life. It was dark. It was brooding. It was melancholy. It was McCabe. It was, yeah. it was just dark and it was sexy and it was exactly how I felt. And I couldn't have chosen a better moment for the worst year of my life. And I mean that with all due respect because it was like changed me forever. And I now, if people listen to me and yes, I have some bright moments, but it's fundamentally predicated on uh, a darker, sexier, hip-provoking, yeah. hip-gyrating rhythm. Yeah. I have a multitude of individuals come up and be like, your fucking music makes me want to fuck. Or like, <laughs> or like it's sexy or it's dark. One of my best friends just last, last week in Miami came up to me in the booth. He's like, damn, dude. He's like, first two, hour and a half was so dark, but not dark like like metal band dark you yeah. know what i mean dark meaning like dark rhythms dark sounds Absolutely. dark 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 vocal darker like sexy and I, when i say dark i mean sexy i don't mean like satanic i mean yeah. like when i dark for me is a uh, assimilates sexiness and, yeah. and darkerness and like sure. instead of just like yeah fist in the air <laughs> you know like neon colors yeah and so um i love that uh, but but the, but listening to uh, like Steve Lawler and, and listening to that sound uh, really, really changed me forever. And uh, one thing that I noticed about him, back to your question, was yeah. he was always, from the la for the last 15 years, he's always evolving. He's always evolving. And I started to notice other artists, your Carl Cox, your Danny Tenaglia's. You know, your Sasha's and Digweeds, your Dubfire, you yeah. know, these people that are have been in the game for 30 fucking years. It's mind-blowing. They are the game. I mean, yeah. they are the game. But not just in the game. Yeah. I'm talking about making stacks for 30 fucking years. We don't even know about the in-the-game part before they were in the game. True. I'm talking relevant, biggest, top one Point the point zero zero one percentile of artists in the world consistently for multiple decades. Yeah. And I saw that blueprint and I took it upon myself to follow through with that to the best of my ability with my own career and yeah. with my own label yep. and to never become complacent, to always try to do better, to always never be afraid to restructure, to reorganize, to, uh, to change the narrative, to become more relevant, to become more modern, you know, and, but also, you know, I collect antiques and I'm a very old soul. So I think that there's something about, uh, being true to the authenticity of everything that you do, but it's also good to be fresh and yeah, to be new right. and to, to add a little bit of color, you know, you know, proverbially, proverbially speaking, sure. um, to the situation and never be so pigeonholed in your own stanza that you're not allowing yourself to be synergetic as well as denotative at the same time. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I think like you, you do have to adapt or die. You know, yes, you do. You'll be, a, you'll be, you'll be die. You'll die that the saying dying on the vine. Yeah. That's what you'll be. 
you know, you have to adapt. And especially it's like the electronic music industry is very, very similar to the professional sports industry. Every year, there's an influx of young people coming in, trying to take your jobs, take your gigs, become popular just the way it is, is all those seniors graduating from football, college football or basketball, right. not even seniors, but you understand what I'm saying, coming, yeah. coming into the NBA, coming into the Major League Baseball, coming yeah. in, coming into the NFL. And these guys, these motherfuckers like that are in the NFL, your 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 Tom Brady's, your your, <laughs> your Aaron Rodgers, they're just fucking there for 10, 15 years, still yeah. crushing it. Yeah. They're they are like the Carl Cox and like, you know, the big artists in our industry that just keep going and yeah. keep maintain that level of relevance. And I use them as a blueprint for what I'm trying and will perpetually aspire to try to be. That is such so, a great comparison and parallel. Like, I mean, it completely fits. Man, it's true. It's so true. It completely I mean, fits. Yeah. They're still around and still delivering and still winning. Yep. And, you know, we don't have to get too much in the business aspect, right? Because why do the the hot college players that come in that are first draft picks sell the most jerseys and shit, right? Because there's a business behind that. Because they're the hot new exactly, girl or guy. Right? Yeah. Girl or guy. Doesn't you know, to be politically correct. That moved into your high school when you were a junior. We all remember yep. girls or guys. You know, for you girls out there, the the stud jock that moved it moved to your town, or yep. us like the hot. I'll never forget this one hot chick that moved into went to my high school as a junior, and everybody wanted to date her. Yeah, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" So and she was, she was beautiful. Happened to but everybody, school, yeah. everybody wanted to date her. Yep. You know, and so it's like that is something that metaphorically happens with our industry is that the hot new commodity is is what the promoters want to book. It's what's selling the tickets. And so to be someone that has been in the industry for 10, 15 plus years yeah. and still be able to, um, and I'm not even speaking about me directly, I'm talking about just indirectly, the yeah. individuals that are in the game, killing it, yeah. that have been around for 10 plus years, still selling, still making hits, still selling out clubs, yeah. still being relevant, it takes fucking work. <laughs> yeah. It takes fucking work yeah. to do that. And it's uh it's a grind. It's a it's it's a grind. But it's fun. It's fun. It is fun. Why not? And how how awesome is it for you to be connecting with those people, the same people that started with you or shortly after, whenever, you know, and, and sitting there. Like that's why I look up to people like you, because I want to be doing this in 10, 15 years. You it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's all a choice. Life is, is a, a choice. choice. It's a choice. You will be. You will be if you, um, you know, if uh, I'm having too much fun. If you, if you, I mean, if you, honestly, if you take it seriously and, yeah. and 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 are able to not take yourself too seriously, but also take yourself very seriously at the same time. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it's a it's a balance. It's a, it's a balance. It's a balance of enjoying, um, laughing, uh, realizing that when it all comes down to it. We ain't taking any of this shit with us. What's more, most important is that we're making a mark. How many people's lives are we affecting really is what it comes down to. And if you look at the world with that focus and that mental trajectory, it all else, all everything else falls into place. You know, we're, we're chasing things constantly that don't mean shit yeah. that are materialistic or that when we're dead and gone and, you know, you have a thousand times the amount of energy in your body as an atomic bomb, but energy in the universe is never destroyed. It's only transformed. So when your vessel dies, your energy is still going to go somewhere and do something. So what is your energy doing 
to affect the other energy levels in this world and in yep. this universe. Yep. And when you concentrate on those types of perspectives, humorously yeah. and not coincidentally, <laughs> all of this other shit falls into place, you know? And, uh, you know, it, it, it helps to have that perspective. It helps to have that perspective. So, Fuck, man. I got to tell you, I've learned so much tonight. <laughs> no. I already had a profound amount of respect for you, but your connection to yourself and others is is really 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 respectful thanks man i appreciate that honestly like you can hang your hat on that it's uh it's it's a lot of years a lot of years years. a lot of years of of ups and downs and and uh and um and experience honestly it's just experience it's just what we do with the experiences would you you say you're you're you know just because we've been getting deep would you say you're happy would you say you're proud uh i don't ever really feel prideful honestly mm-hmm. like i it's a maybe i maybe i maybe i come across as proud to people yeah uh but that's how i know people that truly know me uh and know who i actually am i'm sure that i have personality traits that come across as braggadocious and self-centered and maybe even narcissistic i really do i understand that i have an alpha personality and um i might uh you know, inconsequentially, uh, come across that way. It's not my intention ever at all. In fact, if people ever think that of me, it allows me to decipher how much they actually truly know me. The real self is, is very self-deprecating, but in a very, very positive way. Yeah. Even though that doesn't make sense, uh, (laughs) at all, but it is, it is, uh, you know, I, I love the 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 you know the the principal inside of me or the, like the drill sergeant inside of me. It's better 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 yeah. analogy. Yeah. The, I love the drill sergeant inside of me. He is very much a part of me, and he pushes me to to climb mountains and to make music and to make people happy and to constantly evolve and constantly be better. And don't feel sorry for me that I've got this asshole the motherfucker living inside my head because I also have a very appreciative, very kind, um, very kindred spirit inside of me as well. Yeah. And uh, and it it comes from a lot of failure yeah honestly i'm not gonna i'm not gonna even beat around the bush uh failure is without a doubt the most important experience that we can bestow upon ourselves it's like what you said in the beginning you whisper in failures ear. thank you i love it i love it it sucks trust me it fucking sucks but but i used to run and hide hide my best do my best hide and seek from that shit and now I'm like, come here. Come here, come you. Come here, you. Fucking you, son of a bitch. You come <laughs> here. And I hug it because I, I understand that its message might not bestow itself upon me or whomever or any of us within a year or maybe even three years. But eventually, if you allow it to take its course, if you allow its message to envelop itself to you, it will show you why you took that proverbial Robert Frost divergence in the wood. Hmm. While that, yeah. why, why that failure yeah. actually was quintessentially a part of, of who you are. If that year that I referenced that yeah. was the quote unquote worst year of my life right. didn't happen, I wouldn't be here with you. I wouldn't be making music. I wouldn't be making people smile and be happy. Um, I have no doubt that I would have somehow, some way made my way through life. But I had to endure a very arduous process for 
multiple years, one really bad year, but several years thereafter, still feeling the effects of, yeah. of, of this, you know, this catastrophe, um, to realize true and unethereal happiness yeah. and to be where I'm at. And I yeah. look back on it all the time. Like I would have done it over and over and over again to be exactly yeah. where I am right now. Right. You know? So, wow. God damn. Anthony, honestly, what you have said tonight resonates with me on many, many levels. For sure. And I think that it resonates with a lot of people on, it on does. those levels. I, but you know why? Because we all are the same. We all, just, dude, we all, we all go through it. You said so. I was going to say, you said so many things that relate to probably every single personality type and person. And we are all the same. We're all on the same team. For sure. I want people to know that. And I think what I now realize I respect most about you is not only do you make an impact for yourself so that, you know, you can be the best version of yourself, but by doing that, you lead by example and make a great impact on others. When, when you're dead and gone, your label might still be doing that, right? Yeah. Like your music. Sure. And that's what I do this for. I do this to make an impact. I don't care if it makes an impact in the rest of the world, but it makes an impact on the guests. I get a lot from it. It's fulfilling. Every single episode, I get a message from somebody that's saying, I loved that interview. Thank you so much for interviewing that artist. Thank you so much for this, that. And I'm like, God damn it. Yes. For sure. Honestly, honestly. And, uh, we have to we have to let our we have to let our stories write themselves. We don't you don't pick up a book and read chapter three and then twenty three and yeah. then thirteen and then seventeen and then one <laughs> and nine. No, you re you read it in chronological order. So allow yourself to read your own life in a chronological order as well. Allow it to write itself in that chronological order and enjoy the process. Wow. So that was fucking real. It's true though. It's true. Sometimes we're trying to skip ahead. Yeah. You know, and so or sometimes true. we're trying, sometimes we're not only trying to skip ahead, sometimes we're trying to rewrite the past. Yeah. And we can't, you can't, you're on the chapter you're fucking on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So keep writing and the story is not over. The story is not over. We so. absolutely have to end with that. All right. That was too good. Cool. Keep writing. Thank you guys for watching. Appreciate it.